And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Jonathan, what did that passage say that you read? Just, just shout it out. You don't need a microphone. What did you say, Jonathan? God will fill you. With what, Jonathan? With what, Jonathan? Oh. Boy, you better commit that word to memory. Got to memorize that scripture. Just kidding with you. God will fill you with everything you need for what you need in this season to become who he's calling you to be so that you may know the breadth, the width, the height, and the depth of his love for you. Check this out. Since we're a lost church, (laughs) y'all going to have to bear with my foolishness for a little while. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. I know some people that are filled with something. It starts with B and ends with S. (laughs) It ain't joy. It ain't the Holy Spirit. I was watching an interview the other day with Mike Tyson. If you think less of me because I watched an interview with Mike Tyson, think less of me. And he was being interviewed by a Buddhist who was a very um, high-ranking Buddhist in Buddhism. And Mike and him were having a conversation, and, and he said, Mike, it's gotten rather serious in the room. Would it be okay if I told you a joke? Mike said, yes, it's gotten so tense in here. Can we please change the subject? He said, well, I want to tell you the story. He said, the story is that there was a a pheasant having a conversation in the field with a bull. And the pheasant said to the bull, I remember my ancestors once upon a time were able to fly so high, they were able to fly to the tops of the trees. But now I can't seem to make it to the lowest limb. The bull said, oh, I can tell you what to do. Everybody's doing it. It's the new craze. He said, just have a little bit of my dung. And by the fortnight, you'll be on the topmost branch. Pheasant started eating a little bull, eating a little bull, eating a little bull. And by the fortnight, flapped his wings and he flew all the way to the top branch. He said, but the next day, the farmer came out into his field with a shotgun. Pheasant season had opened. And he saw the pheasant sitting in the topmost branch and he shot it. It fell to the ground. He said, Mike, see bull, bull. BS can take you to the top, but it can never keep you there. So I don't know what you've made it a priority to be filled up on, and I don't know what you've been eating and ingesting that you think's moving you to a new rim of reality and plateau of highest of heights in your life. But trust me, my friend, if it ain't the Holy Spirit, it won't keep you there. It won't take you where it's saying it will take you. It won't protect you. It won't peel you. The Bible says that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. We've been in this little small series talking about the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Had a couple of different messages. Today's going to be altogether a different one. I I just want to mention a couple of things to you today about being spirit-filled. Number one, listen to me. I love that this verse makes it known 
that the first century church, the norm was to be followers of Christ and be spirit-filled. I also love that this verse denotes that being spirit-filled was a normal part, not an abnormal part, a normal part of the Christian experience. If being filled with the Holy Spirit was a part of the original Christian experience, why would we as modern-day Christians be satisfied without this aspect of our Christianity today? Might I add that being spirit-filled was and is an aspect of our faith that God the Father himself promised to us as his children. The reason I'm kind of building a little bit of precedence here with some of the things that I've shared in in weeks gone by is, is very simply for this. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned as filling people or believers being filled with the Holy Spirit to 164 times in the entire New Testament. There are 60 references alone in the four gospels about Christ's followers being filled, not with BS, not with pride, not with their ego, not with unforgiveness, not with bitterness, not with whatever many of us get filled with, but being filled with the spirit of God just in the gospels alone. The book of Acts has 57 references to the followers of Christ being filled with the Spirit of God, and many of them after being filled by being refilled with the Spirit of God. The epistles, the prison epistles, mention the crux, the key to victorious Christian living is being filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says that secret 132 times. Let me give you a nugget here. There's only three New Testament books that do not mention explicitly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Second John, Third John, and the book of Philemon. From a general overview now of me stating a few facts, it's very easy for one to find that it is beyond helpful with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this, show you some more interesting information. Being filled with the Holy Spirit was not passive in the New Testament. It was active. What do you mean, Pastor John, about passive and active? Many people, especially in the Bible Belt, if you say, have you received the promise? Are you spirit-filled? Has there been a time in your life where God's Spirit came to live inside of you after you had a radical encounter with Jesus, after God exposed that we were all sinners, we were all broken, we were all in a fallen state, just like I know each of us are when we walk through the front doors of Oaks Church, and that's why we're all welcome. But when you encountered God in that broken season, did you receive a grace from God that was cheap and left you broken, or did you receive a grace from God that said, I died for you to forgive you, and it was so precious to me. I'm giving you my spirit to live in you, to give you victory, to never stay bound in that brokenness again. Did you get that active infilling, or was yours a passive, oh, I got it when I believed? I promise you, before I preach this message, if I said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Most everybody in here would have said, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. If I would have then followed that up and said, when were you filled with the Holy Spirit? Many of you would have said, when I believed. 
when I believed. If we had time today and I could teach you a theology class, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit when you believe. It is a subsequential secondary experience that is active, not passive. It's not God deposited a blank check into your account and you didn't know you got it. It's when God put that check with no numbers on the end of the zeros in your account, it changed everything about you the moment it hit your bank account. Now, I didn't say you got everything right. I didn't say you begin to talk right and think right and treat people right and live right because that process takes a while. It's called holiness. It's called godliness. It's called sanctification. And let me just break it down for the most holier-than-thou person in this room. You ain't there yet either. But what I can tell you is when God puts that in your bank account, it changes the resources that you're working with. You may not have it right, but you know God's given you the power to get right. You may not have it right, but you can't deny the fact that God's given me the power now to get my mouth right, to get my mind right, to get my walk right, to get my heart right, to get my life right. It ain't God's fault I'm not there. It's my fault because I'm stubborn and prideful and I want to do my own thing. And the truth is, every one of you in here have an area of your life like that. Now listen, when I make statements like that, that's not me dumbing it down saying it's okay for any of us to stay stuck on stupid. That's me leveling the playing field saying we're all in this boat together. And the Bible says I need to be lifting you up out of yours. You need to be lifting me up out of mine until we all come to the unity of the faith of the fullness of the measure of the statue of Christ. Amen or oh me. We got too many Christians that are like crabs in crab pots. I went to South Louisiana, I pastored down there. They took me crabbing down the bayou. We started catching crabs, throwing them in the pot. I said, we gotta put a lid on that. He said, no, 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 no top on the crab pot. The crabs will keep the crabs in there. I said, what you mean, ma? He said, oh, watch. The crabs in the crab pot, one starts getting to the top, the other crab just reaches up and grabs him and pulls him back down. We got too many Christians not worrying about the speck in our own eye, too focused about the log in another's eye, not looking at our own marriages, not looking at our own parenting, not looking at our own fetishes, not looking at our own addiction, too worried about breaking somebody else with condemnation because you see some in theirs. Is this too tough for you today? Too tough for you today? All right, check this out. All spirit... No truth equals rebellion. All truth, no spirit equals religion. You mix spirit and truth and it brings personal revival. Not I got to hold to spirit and I got to hold to the truth. I'm going to pass revival off to you. No, revival starts with me. Revival starts in my heart. Revival starts in my family. Revival starts in my parenting skills. Revival starts in my small group. It starts with me, not I got something, so let me give it to you. How many of you sit in church every Sunday, you hear something, and you go, "Mm, I hope she's listening over there. (laughs) You missed the point. God was talking. I hung out with John Maxwell last year. This is what he told me. He grabbed a chair. 
he got all over us. We thought we was going down there to be patted on our backs. We got down there. He ate our lunch, and he said, my name is John, and I am your friend. Y'all pastors, get out of them green rooms. Get out there among those people. Quit eating your own dead. When people fall and people make mistakes, quit throwing them away. Go put your arms around them. And love. I mean, he just, and he said, he says too much for you. And then he'd say, he'd cuss every once in a while in there. And we're all like, oh. He said, that's why, he said, that's why, that's why I quit, got out of the church world. He said, I make far bigger difference in the business world today. He said, y'all take it back. I said a cuss word. He said, y'all straightening that, swallowing camels. <laughs> he said, I'm giving you meat. I'm giving you bigger principles. And all you worried about, oh, he said. <laughs> he said, my name's John. I am your friend. Spirit, I need you, Spirit of God. You, you, you are the promise to fill me with something bigger than cocaine. Something better than alcohol. Something better than sexual immorality. Now, now let's keep, keep whoo, Lord have mercy. I'm going to get fired, and I'm the pastor. Now, last week I was preaching about like this, and some people got up and left. And somebody said, whoo, I guess you run them off. Okay, I got news for you. I was told their ride was here, their van. They wasn't mad. <laughs> so, so, but they might leave today. I might leave today. D does everyone in here know? Listen to me. Does everyone in here know there is probably not a sin that you have ever committed that I have not committed. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to give devil, the devil any glory and tic-tac and register who's committed the most sin. But, but you do know I grew up multi-generation heathen. You, you do know I was born and bred heated. You do know I know how to sin. You do know I lived in the world. You do know when I met Jesus and got saved on that carpet at Shreveport Community Church or in that jail cell and got filled with the Holy Spirit that I had never known anything about this. And I am telling you, while my life has not been perfect from 21 years old forward, I am just telling you today, I've never been high on drugs again. I have had sex in a relationship with one woman, my wife today, because that is the way God defines it in scripture as right. I have lived an upright life. I have the power and the spiritual authority to tell you today what I know to be true, both from the Bible and in my own life's experiences. But before I knew the Lord, before I knew Jesus, before I had a Damascus Road encounter, there ain't nothing you've done that I've not done or been a part of doing, and then some. Don't tell me. He can't heal you. Don't tell me he can't deliver you. Don't tell me he'll cover you and leave you. Don't tell me this is okay. Don't tell me you have to stay that way. It's not the truth, my friend. He will find you in the jail cell. He will find you in the trap house. He will find you on the bar stool. He will find you at your lowest of low. But if you begin a relationship with him, he will change you. It ain't overnight. I'm a long ways into this thing, and the more I learn, the less I figure out I know. I'm still a long ways broken. 
Not up here preaching sanctity. I'm not up here preaching self-right. I'm up here preaching to you that he transformed my life and that 20-something years into it, he's still transforming me every day. I get convicted. I have to repent. I have to say I'm sorry. I have to say my ego got in the way. My pride got in the way. Lust got in the way. Something got in the way. And I have to keep that bridled back and in check by the power not of religion, of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is the power source. Chad, don't kill me. Check this out. This says A-C-N. I'm guessing that don't mean this is where the air conditioner goes in. <laughs> Charles Brown. A-C-D-C. I said, Charles, I have a diagnosis of ADHD. He said, no, you ACDC is what you are, partner. <laughs> I think AC and DC are two different power currents. Am I right, Mr. So I'm guessing this is the power. Check this out. Uh, there's no power now. Spirit is the power source for this thing to play. The truth of God's word, that what's up is up, what's down is down, what's healed is healed, what's broken is broken, what's left is left, what's right is right. How we treat our families, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our children, how we treat our neighbor, how we treat fellow human beings, what we believe the mission of the church is, all these things are like these keys. Does everybody understand that if I plug this power source back in, watch this, Chad, don't kill me. He, oh, I ain't even got it in the right one. I don't know how to turn this on, but somebody, somebody help me. Chad, you don't want me pushing these buttons, but I need to play these keys for a minute. Oh, there we go. Ah, nope. Better turn that back off. He'll be mad at me. Can I tell you the best thing they ever invented about soundboards? In the old days, we had soundboards that every time you had an event, you reset them. Somebody would go in there having a prayer meeting, they'd set it like, ooh. We'd go in there to have youth service and all the music sound, ooh. Then they got these digital buttons where you hit a button and it all goes back to how you had it set. Jared, I need some help. Come turn this thing off. Chad! Is he coming? Is he still in the back? If he comes through this door, tell him he's in trouble. Is he coming? Y'all going to give me something that plays or I ain't moving on. Jared, come turn this thing on. Oh, here he comes. Who are you pointing at? Oh, the drums. No, nah, I can't use them. I might break them. Chad, turn this thing on. Somebody text Chad. He's in the green room. Get out that green room, Chad. There he comes. You see him? Oh, there he is. I ain't moving on from my point till I get it. I'm going to just start turning them all on. Oh, Lord. Is he coming? Is he coming? Yeah, you know what? You play it for me. It's close to closing time anyways. <laughs> did, what did, oh, that's all I had to do? Oh, my gosh. Okay, check this out. Just, just, all right, you ready? This is what the Word says about your marriage. Listen to the difference. This is what the Word says about your finances. This is what the Word says 
about your parenting. Every one of these keys has a specific note. Amen? Amen. They all sound different. This is the configuration of what God is giving you to protect you. God's not giving you that to... Jesus, help me not say too much and get fired. (laughs) What I used to think was fun, let me see how sanctified I can sound when I say this. What I used to think was fun when I was out there in the world, and it was fun to me then. And it involved long nights and just, you know, just trust me. (laughs) I thought that was fun. And then all of a sudden, I realized that when God started changing my heart, drawing me into him, filling me with the power of his spirit, putting his decrees, putting his expectations, putting his in my heart, that real fun was experienced inside. Guess what? I could wake up in the morning and not wonder who's looking for me. I, I could, I could... Anybody that any partied, anybody ever partied in here? Don't make me call some of y'all's names. I know y'all just got partying. Some of y'all still partying. You wake up in the morning, that little radio goes off in your head. Oh, I did what? Oh, I said, oh my Lord. You look at your phone, you got 17 text messages from that, but you like, oh my Lord. I ain't felt that in years. I wake up with the same beautiful woman that I married 13 years ago that I'm still married to today that I've been faithful to that I got three beautiful kids with that I don't deserve I get to come pastor the greatest church in America Oaks Church I get to visit people in jail I get to coach cross country I get to coach t-ball I get to go eat with people at nice restaurants I get to go to the coffee shop I get to go to the hospitals I get to help people in their high moments and celebrate when they buy businesses and they get new cars and God promotes them and I get to go help people when their spouses leave them or their children children lose their mind and never be forgotten by those people that when they were in the jail cell, I was there with them. This is the greatest life I've ever lived. Ryan Evans, where you at? Ryan. Ryan, this is my boy right here. Ryan. Ryan. Ryan, Ryan used to be a pain in the butt. His wife said, hey, Amen. Every time we get Ryan straight in a couple of days, to be off track. They said, oh, he's in jail. So I said, oh, I'm going to go down to jail and talk to him through the little window on the phone. They said, this is so frequent, you just come on in. They opened the thing. They, they took me back. Next thing I know, I was sitting in the drunk tank with him. This morning, how long have we been at Oaks Church? year and a half? How many Sundays you've been here and set these chairs up, even if you're on schedule, not on schedule? Every Sunday. Every Sunday. You know what he told me this morning? You know what he told me this morning? He said, I come here every morning and set these chairs up because you came saw me in that jail cell. You, not, not because for what God, when, I, when nobody wanted me, my mama didn't want my family, you came and helped me. You came and believed in me. 
I'm not, if you're looking for a church that's not going to believe in people, no matter what their it is, this is the wrong church for you because you're going to get frustrated with me because I'm going to be believing for people and in people that are jacked up and toe up like somebody's checkbook. That's my ministry. But let's just get one thing straight right now. I ain't never going to say to Jay Huckabee, you can be running around with two or three women because you're single, sleeping. I will bust you up, Jay. I love you right where you at, but I ain't never going to tell you that. Never have I ever told you that. No. Do, do, do you understand you can love people where they're at and not agree with how they're living? Does everybody understand that? If you, if you withhold your love from them because of where they're at, they're never going to feel your love, which it takes from God for them to change. It's too much. The truth comes from God's word that says, this is what I'm giving you to guide you and to protect you. But truth without spirit will turn into cold, dead rules and rituals and religion. It takes the truth of God's word energized. Now, watch this. You know why this thing can play? I can't play nothing else, but I know how to do that. <laughs> now, play this thing. Make this thing hum for me, please, sir. Please. Play this thing. Play this thing like... Just, just play it. Just play it. Play it. Give me the drummer. Where's the drummer? Who's the drummer today? Nick, come on. I know you're probably sitting with Jordan. Nick, I need you up here on these drums. This ain't in my notes. You can close them notes down. I lost my mind today. <laughs> Nick, come play these drums. Play that thing. Like, let, just say we're in the middle of a Phil Collins concert, and he plays every instrument, and he goes, takes two minutes, and plays everything up there. Play this thing for us. Play that fucking music, white boy. <laughs> play this thing. He's all back. Come on. Play these things. Play these things. Your own, your own. You play whatever you want to play. Now we got a beat. Now we got a key. We got a key and a beat. But we got some electricity, some power. To make it go, to make it known, to make it reverberate in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your home, in your walk, in your talk. Don't give me the key without the energy to make it live, to make it breathe, to make it known. It takes spirit, the power, and the truth. All truth, no spirit, religion. All spirit, we don't care what God's word is, you're going to end up in rebellion. You're going to end up thinking you, God, redefining what God said, thinking you can be a law in and unto yourself. And let me tell you where that's going to get you. You ready for this? You're going to get filled up on BS. <laughs> and one day the devil going to come out there and say, bloop, you're going to fall down. Because what you got filled up on ain't going to keep you there. Ain't nothing but the power of the Holy Spirit that can take you to the top. 
the top of you, the top of your life, the top of your family, the top of your dreams, the top. It's going to take God to take you there. I'm not saying you're never going to have adversity. I'm not saying you're not ever going to have trouble. What I'm saying is nothing else can keep you there without the spirit and the power of God. God made you a promise. You want to know what he made you? He made you a promise that you could be spirit-filled. Check this out. Wasn't passive for anybody in the Bible. Y'all gentlemen, just stay with me. John the Baptist, watch this. When did he get filled with the Holy Spirit? When did John the Baptist get filled with the Holy Spirit? This ain't a trick question, Pop. When did John the Baptist get filled with the Holy Spirit? When Elizabeth heard Mary walk in the room and the Bible says, not passively, not, oh, it just happened. It says actively. Here's the dog ear on the page. When the power of God went to live in John the Baptist and made him a wild man in the desert. When Jesus get filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I guess when he came, he was God. He was full of the Spirit. No, it says when he went down in that Jordan River and when he came back up actively, there was a moment, there was a time I can put my finger on it. I walked down to that altar and I said, I know I'm saved. I used to want to do this. Now I want to do this. I used to think about this. Now I'm in a struggle. I don't have it all together. I said, but I keep hearing that God's got, there's got to be more. These people, they got excitement. They got joy. They got victory. Y'all in here worshiping and dancing, even in the midst of your trials and your, I don't have whatever that worship would start. And I look like this. They say, what you doing? I say, I'm enjoying worship. And I would see these people over there, and they was, hey, it looked like Lord Mixon. But, uh, I, I said, I ain't got that. I walked down there, and I said, I don't know whatever it is, but I need that. And Sister Duran looked at me, and she said, I'm telling you, baby, when Nikki Cruz got filled with the Holy Spirit, he was freed from a cocaine addiction. And I believe today when the Holy Spirit comes and fills, you'll never stick another needle in your arm. Still this day, never stuck another needle. And I don't care what you've been addicted to. Ain't no high like a needle high. I don't care what you've been messed up in, what you say you can't get loose from. I've been in some clutches, in some bondage, in some brokenness, and I'm telling you, when he set me free from it, he set me free. He will set you free. Jesus went under. That Holy Spirit came. All of a sudden, the heavens opened. This is my son in whom I am well pleased active not passive this is when it happened tell me somebody else she loved joseph paul the apostle when was paul the apostle filled with the holy spirit oh here's what we know in traditional church in america oh we know paul had the scales washed from his eyes okay but the bible says after jesus knocked him off his spiritual self-righteous high horse humbled him a little sent him blind into the the town he sent Ananias and said, go put your hands on Saul that he may receive his sight. And how come nobody's answering me? Only proves my point. And so that he may be filled with the power of my Holy Spirit. 
He's my chosen vessel to carry my gospel to the Gentile kings of the world. Paul stood before the most powerful man in the earth, the emperor of Rome, three different times and preached the gospel to two different emperors before the third time he was not delivered from the lion's mouth. Paul was inadequate to do what God was calling him to do without that active experience where the power of God came to live inside of him. It's not passive. It's not, oh, I believe. It's not, oh, I raise my hand. It's, oh, on that day, on that floor, in that jail cell, in that car, in that prayer meeting, in that crack house, in my addiction, in my perversion, right there is when the power of God came to live in me. And it changed me. Whew, it gave me a desire. So many of us or afraid of it because it'll mean changing everything in our lives. Listen, I got news for you. When you became a Christian and you raised your hand, you signed up on that day for God to change everything about your life. They say being a Christian will cost you nothing. No, it'll cost you everything. He died for you. Now here's the catch. He expects you to die for him. It's the truth. In love. In, in, in truth with a begging appeal a beg it with arms held. come unto me all you that are weary and heavy laden I will give you rest my burden is easy my yoke is light it's not I'm gonna kill you it's not I'm mad at you it's not you're gonna spend eternity in hell it's not I've judged you it's come to me it's I love you and you're hurting and you're afflicted and you're wretched and you're blind and you're miserable and you're broken come to me I want to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks. I will heal you. I will give you rest. I will open your eyes. I will clothe your nakedness. I will give you a robe of righteousness. It's a humble, begging, loving appeal of a Savior for you not to shipwreck your own soul, for you not to destroy in your own good thinking your own life. My name is John. I am your friend. And the disciples were gathered together in one place. Jesus walked in through the unopened door and said, Receive ye actively on this day. The dog here in the page that everything's changing because here comes the Holy Ghost. The believers together, together in one accord, 50 days later, men and women in an upper room, and they heard what sounded like a mighty rushing wind. A roaring thunder, cloven tongues of fire came and appeared and set upon each of them. That's when you think they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. They were refilled. Acts chapter 5, Peter's going to the temple to pray. On that third hour, he prayed, Oh God, fill me again with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, check this out. And I'm going to go deep here. You do know I've drank. 
I'm, I'm not standing here today telling you I've never drank in my life. I have drank. Listen to me. The Bible says the world's imitation and knockoff for his spirit is to be intoxicated with alcohol. Do not be drunk with wine. In excess, where is the dissipation, the wasting of your life? This is the world's cheap imitation of what I have for you. But instead, be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. You can take what the world can give you to numb it away, or you can take what God will give you to walk in victory over it. You decide if you want to bow to it and coward in it, or rise above it and walk in victory. Now listen to me, listen to Pastor right now, because I know some of you are about to say right now, is he getting on to me for truth? Listen to me, I believe, I believe in the Bible, I know this to be true. I've studied it countless, 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 countless hours prayed. Listen to me. If your question is, can I, can I, can I, you can. But the New Testament poses a different question and says, should you? And the answer to that question is no. You can, but you shouldn't. I know people that moderately drink. The Bible puts forth the message of moderation. I know people that have that ability to moderately drink and handle it, and I'm not down on you. I love you just like I love the person you thought I was talking to a minute ago. But I have had to make a decision. I've had to make a decision for me. I shouldn't. Because if you see me and I make you stumble, the Bible says I've undone for Christ what he came to do can but I shouldn't can but shouldn't we clear so the Bible says there is a better way be ye filled continually filled that word in Greek isn't filled f-i-l-l-e-d in the present tense or in the past tense it's filling f-i-l-l-i-n-g it means actively going on it just would read incorrectly in the English language it would be an incorrect sentence but instead be ye filling with the Holy Spirit you ever see me on my knees up here I'm not asking God to resave me I'm not asking God to 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 write my name in the land you can't get born again again I'm born again my name's in the Lamb's book of life but let me tell you what I am doing I'm down here saying God I know you gave me an anointing like none other last Sunday morning and I about tore my wedding ring off beating on that block of wood with a broken axe handle and I don't know how in the world you go out do what you did last week but I know something the power of the creativity of the Holy Spirit can do what I can do God will you fill me again and then on Monday morning before I get in traffic and want to jump out and throw punch somebody I say God fill me with the Holy Spirit and then when somebody acts crazy I say, oh Lord don't let me act out in my temper Lord help me with the Holy Spirit help me to be in control help me to de-escalate instead of escalate help my pride not to get I'm praying God when my kids act crazy and I want to send them to your house but you don't want them at your I go outside and I say God fill me with the Holy Spirit because I want these kids to love me and respect me and when I go out in the world and 
and I face the challenges and the ideologies and the criticism and all the things you experience, I say, God, I need the Holy Spirit. I can't rely on me. I can't rely on Chad or a podcast or yesterday's word. God, I need the power of you in my life today. Second Thessalonians 2.13, and I'm going to go, I promise. I ain't going to preach a message. I want you to see this. Second Thessalonians 2.13. I don't know if you have it, Miss Kaylee, but it was supposed to be the 10th point of the message that I never preached. It says, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. So this is Paul, and he's writing to the church of Thessalonica. Has anybody ever read the books of Thessalonians? It's not a very pleasant book. I mean, Paul is like dealing with church drama. People say, well, I don't go to church because I got church drama. I'm like Barney Fife. When church drama happens, I snip in the bud immediately because I don't like church drama. But I just want you to know that all the New Testament letters are written out of church drama. But Paul's mad at him. He's writing him a letter. Not mad. He's trying to straighten him up. And then he says, but we're bound to give thanks for you. Like, you ain't doing right. I'm trying to get you right, but I love you anyways. Bound to give thanks for you always, brethren, because you're loved of the Lord. It isn't Paul's love that matters. It's the love of God that matters. He says, because God, from the beginning, somebody read that for me. Okay, I think we can do better than that. We're not in unity. Because God chose you from the beginning for salvation, period. My Reformed brothers, Reformed theology, they quit reading that verse right there. Reformed theology says God chose you by foreknowledge for salvation. And you play no active part in your salvation through the process of sanctification and you're already saved because God chose you. I do believe God chose you. God did choose you, Mark. You didn't choose God. I didn't choose God. He turned that light switch on in my heart. It says God chose me for salvation, but my salvation is predicated through this process. It's active through sanctification by the spirit of belief in truth you got the holy spirit bringing alive the truth of god and you melissa get to play an active part in that salvific experience becoming a reality in your life how much salvation do you really want how much salvation do do, do you want i'm saved salvation or do you want to I'm saved and I've been delivered. Do you want to, I'm saved, I've been delivered and I got a good life and I got a good marriage. Do you want to, I'm saved, I got a good life. And guess what? I used to have terrible thinking habits of negativity and criticism and condemnation towards myself like precious Joyce Myers. And then through this active relationship of spirit and truth, I've now learned to take control of my thoughts and bring them captive. And I don't think these thoughts, 
She's got another degree. I'm not saying she's more saved in heaven. I'm saying she's experiencing more of heaven here than you. How much salvation do you want? How much salvation do you want? Guess how much he wants us all to have? (laughs) Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. See, here's what I love about the gospel. It's no big eyes and little U's. It's no, it's, it's no rapist here, racist here. <laughs> you ready for this? It's no child molester here, self-righteous Christian here. <laughs> it's level ground at the foot of the cross. <laughs> it's addict, alcoholic. You feel it. You know them. Listen, do you really think today we have to tell people what's wrong with their lives? Do, do you think people don't know what's wrong with it? Do you think I don't know? We don't, we don't have a, a, a pointing it out problem. We have a pointing them out of it problem. Don't show me that I'm broken. Show me the process to be healed. Don't show me that I'm stuck. Show me how to progress. Watch it. Aubrey, 19 years old, two-time convicted felon, murdered my very first charge. This man right here, Mark Santa, way in. He told Jay, he said, I know Skipworth, but I know Skipworth from Skipworth. I know Skipworth, 18 years old, cut a guy's throat, left him for a ditch, in a ditch for dead in Bossier City, Louisiana, over a drug deal gone bad, mixed up with the Banditos and mixed up with Steve Dement and Dement Bell Bonds in Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana. I know that Skipworth. And that's what I thought my identity. My mom walked in and said, you're a drug addict. You're a criminal. You think that fixed me? Y'all quit yelling at these people. You're addicted. You're broken. You're an adulterer. You think that's going to fix? You think they don't know? Show them how to get out of it. Show them the love of God. Show them forgiveness. Show them restoration. Show them freedom. Show them hope. Show them victory. My mama said, well, I don't never know why I couldn't get you help. I could never help you. I said, Mama, you didn't have the tools to help me. It took someone like Pastor Denny. It took someone like Mike Back. It took someone like Francis. Somebody that had some pit experience. Somebody that had some addiction experience. Somebody that had some crime. Somebody that, you ready for that? Had some sin. Some sin experience. I think some of us have, have gotten so churchified we forgot that we were sinners. We forgot that we too had it. And this is what gets me. Some people I just get so blooming frustrated with because I'm not even sure you've been delivered from your sin and you're pointing out everybody else's sin. We're going to reach lost people here. We're going to reach lost people here. We're going to reach broken people here. We're going to reach confused people here. We're going to reach hurting people here. We're going to reach addicted people here. We're going to reach it, you know, because what other kind of people are there? It's what Jesus called us to do. Lift up your field. 
Lift up your eyes under the field that's white with harvest. There they all come. They're all around you every day. Every day. Are you filled with the Spirit? Are you in revival? Are you filled with rules and religion? Filled with condemnation and judgment? What you wear? No fruit in your ministry? No spirit? No boundaries? In your relationship with Christ, no fruit for the kingdom, no truth, spirit and truth. Personal revival, overflowing revival, revival that reaches others around you. Put that scripture back up on the screen. I'm done. The Holy Spirit in each of us leads us into a life of godliness. The Bible says that it is the will and the plan of God that each of our lives begin to take on the image of Christ. Now, I know there's a a few glimmers in my life where you say, oh, I see Christ in him, but let me just break it. I, I don't have Christ in every area. You don't have Christ in every area. That don't mean it's okay for me to stay here and you to stay there. That just means we're in the same game together. Now, let's do this. You ready? We got a saying at Oaks Church. Shut up and row. Shut up and row. You either trust me or you don't. You either know who I am or you don't. You either believe in where we're going or you don't. You either believe God can do more in people's heart through a message I'm not even preaching right than you can with your most eloquent presentation of what you believe to be true. I've seen more people accidentally come to the things of God in the middle of my BS than me intentionally going after people have ever brought in the strength of my own power. Isn't it amazing? I can be up here preaching one thing and that person be hearing something totally. Either we believe in the work of the church or we believe that we need to work the church. Let's just roll. Let's just give to kingdom builders. Let's just pay our tithe gladly as honor to the Lord. Let's stand up, worship like crazy people. Let's elbow somebody out of the way. Let's go stand next to that person you couldn't even talk to last week. Let's walk up there and hug their neck, tell them you're praying. It's hard to stay mad at people when you pray for them. You ever notice that? Walk out there in the lobby, shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck. Hey, stick around this afternoon. We're going to honor the youth pastor and his wife and welcome them so they can get to meet all your kids. They had over 50 people there with Jonathan and Jessica Kirkland and Jason, Joseph and Macy Collier over at 111 Cotton Street. I'm excited about youth ministry. I'm excited about the new building. I'm excited about SUM Bible College. I'm excited about 700 plus people being here on Easter. I'm excited about 100 people making a public decision for Christ. I'm excited that we're going to kids camp and youth camp and tween camp. I'm excited. We got newcomers, coffee social. If you want to get to know more about my crazy self and the rest of us come out i'm excited about growth track the next week i'm excited about all the good things that god is doing here at oaks church but i need you to get in the boat and row so we can reach some lost people so that we can bring the gospel of salvation to people that really want to be saved
I'm ending, I'm ending, I'm ending. Listen to me. Listen to me. What do we believe about sin? What do we believe about sin? Sin is missing God's mark. Sin is sin. I don't have the authority to redefine what is sin and what is not sin. God has already defined what sin is. But God called me to love sinners. That's why I love you. Number two, how do we believe sin is dealt with? We believe the Holy Scriptures say that God's love brings people to a place of repentance. They bring their sin to the foot of the cross. They confess their sin to God. They are washed by the blood and they walk away with potentially the power of the Holy Spirit to change. We don't believe in salvation that says come and confess. We believe in salvation that says come and confess then ask the power of the Holy Ghost to help you repent. Repentance is to turn the other way. I once was an adulterer. Now I've been faithful to the same woman for all these years. I once was a drug addict and now I've never done another drug a day in my life. I once was sexually immoral. I once was an addict. I once was a drunkard. I brought that to Jesus. Jesus, I'm addicted. Jesus, I've hurt people. Jesus, I've committed crimes. Jesus, I've been a part of organized crime. Jesus, I've done, I've sold dope. Jesus, I've lied. Jesus, I've done, but Jesus, I'm asking you not only to forgive me of this so that my conscience can be clean. I'm asking you to forgive me and empower me that when I get up, I can start turning and walking another way. What do we believe about sin? We believe sin is defined by God and sin is wrong, but we love sinners. We believe sin is dealt with at the foot of the cross where people can be forgiven and empowered to pursue a new life of victory. Now, one thing I didn't share with you, and I'm going to share it now. I gave you the highlight reel of the things I've never done again. But I want to be honest with you today and tell you there have been things since I was 21 years old that I started a little while. And then like Peter, I turned around and started going back fishing. Does anybody know my boy Doug Pollock? Got to tell you this, Doug's going to kill me. I got sent to Louisiana Department of Corrections. I think I was 22, 23 at the time. I knew I was there for a minimum of 12 years flat at that time. 
friend of mine named Brian Poole, Shreveport. He was killed by the police just about a year or two ago in Shreveport. His uncle is um, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, and Kenneth Copeland's um, ministry partner, Jerry Savelle. Brian's grandfather was on the board of directors for Kenneth Copeland. His name was Olin Creech out of Shreveport. Brian knew about the Lord, grew up around the things of the Lord, but was not serving the Lord. Heard about my story, my conversion. I knew Brian from the streets, and when I hit the yard, Brian said, you're going in Echo, and he said, there's a guy in there. His name's Doug Pollock. He's the real deal, John. I'm proud of you. It's not what I'm doing with my life, but I'm proud of you. Ask for Doug Pollock when you get in there. Me and Doug became great friends, and I was making those steps forward. And then I was like, man, it's 12 years. What? I mean, you know, it's pressure in here. You got to choose a side, choose a gang, choose to be, you know. <laughs> Doug, Doug was back there asleep one night, and I got up out of my bed. It was like a Friday night. They had, they had like VH1. They had like rap videos on gay. They had... Everybody, they were smoking Joes and had the headphones on, had the blanket tied over the metal table. They were slamming dominoes and playing cards. I said, ah. I got up out of my bed. I kept eye on Doug, wondering if he could see me, wondering if he could see me. I never saw him move. By 2 o'clock, I saw Doug get up. I guess he was in the bathroom. I had somebody's headphones on, turned sideways. I had a cigarette about this big sticking. I slamming them. I slamming them cards. Ah, that's play. Doug walked by me. He looked, rubbed his eye. He went on to the bathroom. He went back to bed. I just kept playing dominoes, played dominoes cards about daylight the next day. Got in the bed. I woke up about 10. When I woke up, Doug was outside playing basketball. And I walked by Doug. Doug said, come here. Walked over there and Doug said, he said, I ain't going to let you go backwards on me. I said, what? He said, I saw you up there last night smoking cigarettes, playing cards. He said, I ain't going to say nothing to you. He said, but I'm going to tell you this. I prayed for God to send me a friend to do these 20 years with for an accountability partner. It seems like I'm going to have to call you to account to me first. He said, you ain't going backwards on me, brother. You hear me? Because I'm going to need you to do these 20 years. I can tell you this day, I never played another game of dominoes, never played another hand of cards, never smoked another cigarette in jail the rest of the time I was there because somebody loved me enough when they saw me going backwards to step in and say, I ain't got no judgment for you, no condemnation. I'm just telling you, I know God's got something different for your life, and I'm calling you to it. I'm not sitting here today tell you, Brooke and I have never argued. I'm not sitting here today tell you I've always had parenting and relationships or even my own heart figured out. I gave you the highlight reel of the things I've never gone back to, but I want it to be real to you today that it's not always a perfect turnaround. Your repentance may look like I'm going this way, 5150, and all of a sudden God speaks to you today and you make a few steps this way towards wholeness or sobriety or freedom or healing or hold. And then next weekend you make a dumb decision. I don't want you to, but I want you to know even when you make that dumb decision, I'm going to be like Doug the next day saying, I ain't judging you. I'm not condemned, but I am telling you, I'm calling you back this way. You may have fallen, but you ain't going to stay down, my friend. You're going to get your tail back up and you're going to start coming this way. See, the righteous may fall seven times but they get back up and we need to be picking our brothers up and sisters up we need to be showing people what it means 
Repentance is a process. Discipleship is a process. You don't have to have it all together overnight. What you got to have is a heart like David that says, I love the Lord and I know the Lord loves me. 